Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Your Intention Matters, the podcast. Thank you very much for being here and listening. My name, of course, is still Paul Madot. Today, I have Brian Krause. He is VP Sales, coming to us from a company called Dragon Fruit in Massachusetts, in Boston. Brian, how am I doing with my Canadian accent on the New England accent? That sounds good. I'll probably do better, but you're <laughs> off to a good start. <laughs> awesome. Well, listen, good to meet you. Do me a favor. Say hi to everybody. Provide a quick intro, and then we'll jump into your, your story here. Appreciate it. Sure. So Brian Krause, based in Boston, Massachusetts, as, as you'll, uh, if you haven't already been able to determine, but you certainly will soon. Um, VP of sales, Dragon Fruit AI. Uh, we are an enterprise uh, video analytics provider, helping customers to uh, better utilize, you know, the investments that they've made in uh, video uh, within their physical spaces and digital spaces. So I've been with the company for uh, for less than a year. Uh, mm. It is a startup. Uh, we're growing pretty rapidly. So uh, excited to be on today and, and chat a little bit with you. Great. Also a, a father. I have, I have three daughters uh, and a female dog. So I live in something of a sorority house over here. But um, it's uh, got, a, got a fantastic wife. And uh, when I'm not, you know, selling and, and helping manage my team, I'm spending a lot of time Obviously, like like many of your guests with uh, with youth sports, all three of my daughters play softball, and my my middle child is a competitive swimmer. So, a lot of a lot of humid days on the field and humid days in the pool. Awesome. Well, congr- well congratulations and God bless you for the uh, only male in the house. You couldn't even get a male dog, huh? I used to have one, uh, <laughs> but this new one is a female, so I lost that battle. All right, good. Well, again, thanks again for being here. You know, Brian, as we were just talking about. Uh, about uh, the title of the podcast and where we're going with this and the goal of it around mindset and intention and that nothing really changes without what you want up top. And most of us in the world of sales and sales leadership never thought we'd even get into sales, let alone really sustain a longstanding career in you know a sales capacity. And yet here we are. And so with that said, I'm looking forward to you sharing your story. You ready to go with me? Absolutely. All right, so let's go back uh, late 90s, early 2000s, Bridgewater State University in Massachusetts, uh, bachelor's in accounting and finance. All right, so anybody who's old enough to remember the 90s and into the early 2000s, you know, we're going through some choppy waters right now, but it was no picnic in the 90s either, right? It was a little bit different. And then, of course, we had also the Y2K movement and what's going to happen here, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you go back to, you know, when you were getting ready to get out there on your own, did you have a vision at the time at all? Were you just kind of like, well, let me just get my degree and figure it out? Or were, were you kind of set on, I'm going to be an accountant, I'm going to be in numbers? And where were you at, call it 20, 21 years ago now? It's a great question. So, you know, I went to Bridgewater you know, I grew up at, my family is, is largely in the trades. So my, my father is now a retired fireman. My brother's a mechanic. Um, the rest of my extended family is pretty much all in the trades, mechanics and carpenters and whatnot. So um, at the very early stage, I kind of went to college at the behest of my best friend um, who mm. simply wanted a roommate um, and, and didn't want to room with someone new. So, um, so I, I enrolled and got in. Um, I, I thought I was going to be in the trades like everyone else in my family, but so I went that route and, and immediately, you know, I've always been good at math. So I immediately gravitated towards the business and the finance, um, 
uh, curriculum. And, and so that's kind of the path that I chose. Um, you know, when I, when I got there, I kind of woke up, if you will, um, sure. I kind of meandered around a little bit uh, in life. And uh, I realized that I actually had some potential and that I was, you know, I was a, a smart guy when I applied myself. Um, so I started to do that. And I actually graduated early. Um, not graduated early, but I, I finished most of my classes early so that I could begin working in the field uh, as soon as possible because I wanted to start making money. Right. So I finished my, my senior year just with a couple of night classes. And I started a job actually at, um, at Putnam Investments up here in Boston. They do a lot of retirement accounting and, and, and um, retirement money management. So, you know, I, I thought I had visions at the time of, you know, being the next Peter Lynch and, and managing the next Magellan Fund at Fidelity. And um, I think that's kind of where I started to um, gravitate towards the idea of go big or go home. Um, and I, I think that's, that's still within me. And I think that's kind of how I've ended up where I've ended up. Um, so, so that's a little bit about those early days and, and the intention kind of took a little, a little while to materialize for me personally. Mm. Once I realized that, you know, I could actually do some, some really amazing things when I applied myself. Um, and of course, being out on your own at college, it's really all about doing that. There's no one watching over you and you have to figure it out on your own. Um, so that, that really helped me tremendously to kind of start down the path of, of what industry should I be in and, and how, how big can I go? You know, Brian, given what you said around the environment that you grew up in, uh, with mechanics and trades and your dad, you know, you know, being a firefighter, uh, any, any, um, pressure from your dad to pick up a hose and, and get after it and follow in his footsteps or anything like that? Yeah. So the problem with me becoming a firefighter, it was, and still is, um, I, I just, I can never deal with the gore. Um, I, I couldn't respond to a motor vehicle accident and, and not be the guy that needed help. Right. So, that, that trade for me, um, you know, at, at the time and more recently with, with uh, that, that role being largely, you know, they, they, they still do a lot of firefighting, of course, but, you know, a, a good majority of the work they do is around, you know, non-fire related activities, you know, motor vehicle accidents and, and more paramedic and, and medical related stuff. So for me, that was a non-starter. Um, I still have, have problems seeing my own blood sometimes. Put um, a bandaid on you, ready to pass out, huh? Yeah, yeah. So for me, that was a non-starter. Um, so how did you find uh, Babson? Did they find you? Uh, were you out of work at the time? How did that, how'd that process go down? Yeah, Babson was my next role after, after Putnam. Um, so I went from my, you know, my 24,000 a year role at, uh, at Putnam, which was fantastic when you're a college kid, by the way. Sure. Um, and, and I, I had, you know, been looking to move up to, to do something more and, and to work, um, you know, work in Cambridge and whatnot. So, um, so I, I sought that role and, and got it. Um, and it was, you know, a bit of a step up for me into the industry, spent several years there. It was really a great company. Um, a lot of great people there. I got my first experience on the quant side there, doing a lot of um, derivative and, and fixed income analysis, kind of in the after hours with, uh, with some of the fund managers that, that kind of took me under their wing. Um, so it, it was really great because I, you know, as nerdy as it is, I really enjoyed the math side of it, mm. you know, developing, and, and this is 20 years ago. So, you know, the market wasn't what it is today, of course, right. Where it's driven by quants. Um, so we were kind of at the early stage and, and I still remember, um, one meeting where, uh, one of the lead fund managers took us into a big client 
and the presentation had um, on the cover of it, uh, you know, the pitch book or whatever, the quarterly review had the, 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 the bond or the, the, the issue that I had picked for the portfolio. It was the best performer. And to this day, I'm still super proud of that, that, you know, here I am um, really in the product management team, uh, trying to develop new investment products for them, but at the same time, kind of moonlighting as a junior quant analyst and picking winners. Um, so it was, it was really, really exciting. Um, and I still kind of think back on that sometimes. So I'm curious about your, your choice to, uh, to leave what sounds like a, a field and a kind of a baseline that you really seem to enjoy and, you know, kind of got fired up about going into work and enjoyed that. And so how did you get into like professional sales and when did that happen? Yeah. So it's an interesting transition for me because after being in finance for several years, um, I got a little bit bored um, and, 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 you know, mentioning to you the, the sort of trades background, I, I still have a very hands-on mentality. I, you know, I do all the work around my house and, mm. and everything. I still like to build things and do things um, and see things sort of come to life. And so I had this sort of nagging pull to get into, you know, tangible product. Um, so I, I left finance and got into, into a, a product company, um, which was at the time called Lojack, which was doing, um, you know, stolen, stolen vehicle recovery, mm. um, radio, RF technology, which was really cool because it was my first exposure of, of technology and um, gave me a really good grounding. And I worked for a really great guy there uh, who taught me a lot about um, product marketing and, and, and launching new products and things like that into the, into the enterprise space. Um, and they shared an office complex with, with AT&T. Um, and so I would see the AT&T guys in the cafeteria mm. and in the gym in the morning. And so um, they mentioned to me one, one day, hey, we got an opening, um, you know, pays great. Um, the role is bigger, bigger company, obviously a lot more career mobility. Um, so they convinced me to come over there. And I went over there in a marketing role initially. Um, but shortly thereafter, I, I started hanging out with some of the sales guys on the business side, the enterprise side. And, and um, I, I really just enjoyed talking to customers, hearing their feedback from meetings, you know, the line of questioning, understanding what customers are doing and how we're, how we're selling. Um, so I approached the sales director and, and she told me I'd be terrible at it and I could never do it. Um, and, and that for me was all I needed mm. uh, to, to really pursue the job. I mean, I'm, I'm just the type of person that, it drives me wild when someone tells me I can't do something. Um, so once I heard that, I knew I had to get into sales and try it. And so I pushed and pushed and the manager that worked underneath her um, lobbied for me. And that's how I got into sales. He, he gave me a shot. Uh, and so was it in sales in that same complex? Or you just kept going to the same place, just on a different, a different floor now? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I moved awesome. from you know, a little office that I had because we had extra room in that, in that space. Um, into a little cubicle uh, as a, as a, you know, as a, a, a first year sales rep and, um, you know, spent most of the time outside and, and working from home, you know, part-time like most sales reps do, um, especially in, in, in um, entry-level sales jobs. Uh, so, but yeah, it, it's funny, you know, she, the, the, the woman who told me I, I couldn't do it and, and wouldn't be good at it was gone within a year. And, mm. and I was at the diamond club the following year and you know, hanging out with the, with the president of AT&T. So, you know, Brian, I'm curious about that because I can certainly appreciate your, your drive and, and the, the motivation behind what, why you wanted to give this a shot. Say, wait a second, you, you don't even know me. 
I haven't even tried this yet. So why would I just, it's, why would I just assume I'm not going to be able to do this? So let's give it a shot here. And so I'm curious about your, the transition and you, you, it sounds like you, you, you gained some good success pretty early, but did it happen right away? Was it a harder transition than you thought it would be? Or did you just kind of take the sales like a duck to water? Well, it, it happened right away, but I had, I had spent time with the sales team to really understand the process, the methodologies, how they go about their job. So I had, I had a few months um, of sort of, again, sort of moonlight training um, into that other role. And that's really where I fell in love with it. You know, I, I really love being in front of customers still to this day. I still love to hunt. I still love to, you know, the high five and the fist pump when we get a meeting that we feel yeah. like we, we didn't think we were going to get today. Um, I still really, really thoroughly enjoy that stuff. So I had exposure to a lot of that before I actually took the job. Um, and so I was, I was, I've been quite fortunate to be honest with you. I've just met the right people, built the right relationships. And, you know, it's funny when I think back now, knowing everything I know about sales, um, I kind of managed that as a sale. You know, I had somebody tell me no, and I went to someone else and I, I found someone else in the sales cycle or the, mm. or the decision-making process and I found a new champion and, and that, that person, you know, took me under their wing and gave me a shot. And so it, it's, it's a little bit of a, of a, um, you know, a good analogy for sort of overall selling that I, I sort of didn't take no and, and found another way in. And how many years were you at AT&T? Uh, just about six. About six years. Okay. So th th this has me, me interested here because I worked at Xerox for about a decade and obviously different industry, but brand strength and size of the company is kind of parallel, right? In terms of AT&T in their space and Xerox in their space. And I left after 10 years, but it was not the easiest of choices for me whatsoever. But I left to start up my own business and so get into the game I'm in right now. Uh, but I bet on myself, but there was, you know, there, there was a, it was a big decision for me because nobody was kicking me out. And like, why would you leave kind of the safe branch? And, I, and I'm interested to hear after six years, which I presume you probably had success even in all of your six years, what, why move on? Was it your choice or was it theirs? And, and was that an easy choice for you after that length of time with a, with a company with a huge runway, I imagine, for growth and opportunities and to stay within the firewall? Sure. Another great question. And, and for me, it always harkens back to how big can I go? Um, and, and I had that really driving itch to start something. So, you know, while I was at AT&T and, and right before I went to AT&T, I started business school um, and, and studied, you know, entrepreneurship there and, and really got exposure to, you know, starting companies and, and idea generation and, and how to, you know, materialize those ideas into, into either products or companies or both. Um, and so I, I just had that itch to go and, do, and build something from scratch. Um, and I knew that I had learned a tremendous amount at AT&T and I'd become fairly good at, at what I do. Um, so I thought, you know, I, I belong in a smaller company where I can move the needle and make more of an impact. Mm. Um, and, and that to me was more exciting. So I left on my own and I went to a, a, a very small startup with essentially four engineers and me. Um, <laughs> you know, they were developing software and, and I was out there trying to sell it for them. Um, so that was a, a pretty big shift. Um, but that's that was my first true startup job. You know, we had zero customers, zero revenue, um, you know, a little bit of funding um, and, and we were off and running. So um 
at the time, Brian, in your personal life, were you married? Were you a dad yet at that point in your life? I was married with one. Wow. About a year into the, the startup, um, the second one was on its way. Um, that, that, so- that's, that's incredible to me because when I left Xerox to start up my own gig, I was single, like, like not even in a relationship. And it was just on me. And it's not that it's easy, but it's easier. Here you are married with a child and you're going to take a shot. at That's a pretty big bet you made, man. It is. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's led to some premature gray hair for sure, but um, I'm sure it's a fair trade. So yeah, stressful, stressful, but I, I like working under those environments. I mean, I, I like the work to matter every day. I, mm. I like it to mean something and I don't want to work in roles and I don't like being around people that just go through the motions. And if you're not working towards something and if you're not trying to go big, you know, what's the point? Um, my kids always ask me, you know, what I'm going to do when I retire. And I tell them I'll probably just pump gas by the beach or something, you know, if there's still gasoline going into vehicle, right. but, you know, something where at that time, you know, that that's, that's fine. But, but right now I, I still feel like there's some big things I can accomplish. And, and so I, I took some risks. Uh, unfortunately that first one didn't work out too well. Um, Is that right? It's still around, still a company. The guys are doing well. I'm still in touch. I'm very happy for them. Um, but you know, the CEO wanted to change a little bit of strategy and whatnot, and it, it really would have put a strain on, on, on me financially, um, you know, moving away from a certain pipeline of business and focusing on a different offering that would have basically been the reset button. And so I was, of course, as you mentioned, counting on that income. Yeah. And, and at the time it didn't make a, a tremendous amount of sense for me to, to kind of roll the dice for another 12 months with the second one coming. And my, my wife was at home at the time. So that happened in your first year? That happened at the end of my first year, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Boy, that's pretty quick. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But, you know, so, it's a startup. So it's, it's you know, fail fast and pivot quickly. And, and that's, that's, that's the operating environment. So I, I appreciate it and I understand it. I respect it. Um, but unfortunately, just me personally, it didn't line up. Um, so I had to make, you know, another decision. So at that time, I... I went to a larger company again, just to sort of, as I call it, just to stabilize for a bit, um, you know, get the second kid on board, figure right. out what life is like with two and, um, you know, eliminate a little bit of that stress from work to the home environment. Um, and, and where'd you go? Out. Yeah. Where'd you go? I went to Panasonic. Panasonic. Okay. No, another like massive organization, right? You know, yeah. Globally. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And, but was your time at Panasonic what you wanted uh, it was. Uh, I spent just about three years there, um, selling the whole time. Um, it was, it was, it was definitely different. I mean, it was a big company, so I had come, you know, big company, micro company, big company. Yeah. So a little bit of of ups and downs for me there. Um, but you know, looking back on it and all the experience that I've had, it's been super beneficial to me because, you know, I've I've seen now, I've seen the world through so many different lenses. And it's been really good experience for me to, to lean back on how to, how do certain companies do it? How do we do it when we're just starting out and how do those compare and what have we learned? So um, it was, it was helpful. It was, it wasn't an easy job. I did well, um, accomplished my goal of stabilizing, making good money, um, you know, winning some big deals, some good celebrations and whatnot. Um, But the whole time I was there, I I basically knew that I was going to go to a startup again. Um, I just didn't have the idea or the, or the option at the time. So I, you know, I hustled there, did my best, did well, 
Um, and then another opportunity came along to go to a smaller company that was struggling uh, in a similar space, um, kind of tangent to what, what I was doing at, at, at Panasonic, but in a similar space, you know, technology ecosystem wise. Um, so it was for me, another natural, uh, another natural transition. You know, Brian, I want to talk to you about your, your tenure so far at Dragonfruit. I think if I had it correctly, you said at the beginning of the podcast that you're less than a year in uh, with Dragonfruit right now, which tells me that, that you've accepted this job really in the middle of the pandemic, in, in, in either in 2021 or, or late 2020. And I, I just, I'll ask, are you, were you a victim of COVID? Were you laid off, furloughed, or did you electively choose to do something different, you know, in, in the middle of, you know, us trying to get back onto solid ground a little bit here? Yeah, so it was my decision. Um, wasn't, wasn't COVID related. Uh, the company I was working for um, definitely, you know, took a hit from COVID. Um, as most companies did, we were, yeah. again, it was another, it was another startup. Um, so, you know, it, it was tough last year, um, you know, for, for certain companies, particularly small ones, because, you know, there was just so much uncertainty and, and companies weren't spending because of that uncertainty. And so, you know, revenue and, and, and projects that we had scoped inspect and, and proposed, um, got extended. First, it was, you know, till the end of the quarter, let's see how this plays out. And then at the end of June, it was, you know, for the rest of the year, we're on hold. And it very quickly sort of just froze. Mm. Um, just corporate spending, you know, at least in the, in the area of technology I was, I was in. Um, so, so it was challenging in a sense that um, just spending was down and, right. and or, or flat at best. And, and so a lot of deals were postponed and, I think there a lot of them are back on track now, of course, as the world opens back up. But um, yeah, living through that was was extremely interesting and, and challenging. Yeah, but I, you know, I made the choice to, to leave. Yeah, I, I came over here to kind of hit the reset button again, and um, you know, met the CEO of this company. Uh, really enjoy his vision and, and his his experience in, in building companies and understanding how it's it's product first, it's customer first, um, and if 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 we if we operate under that you know, under those auspices, we can, we can build a successful company here. So I was definitely drawn to that again. Brian, you've had quite the ride, man. If we just cap it out here. So you, you, you go to, if I heard this right, you went to college as a favor to a buddy. So, so he's not rooming with anybody else. You end up finding math, accounting, and like a passion for numbers and, and you're cooking. This is what we're going to do. You, you have an underlying, um, not pressure, but you have it. Your background is trade. Your dad's in fire, and, and you know, you know, and stuff like that. You realize, okay, well, I don't even like getting a, a paper cut, so I can't do that. And then, and then you've got this this vision for startups, entrepreneurship. You you get married, you become a dad, you get your masters. You're up and down between big companies, small companies. It's kind of luring you back in here and there. You had you had enough courage twice to bet on yourself leaving two massive organizations that it didn't sound like they were kicking you out either time. And yet here we are now at, at Dragonfruit. And so congrats on, on the result that you've been able to create thus far. You know, I always like to ask anybody who's a guest on the podcast, if there was one, anybody listening, if there was one piece of advice or feedback or something that they came to you and said, you know, Brian, what's been your foundation? Anything come to mind that you lean on? Curiosity. Um, I'm just a generally curious guy. Um, I, I, I believe deep down in, in my bones, you know, I say to my wife that there's nothing we can't solve. And, 
you know, the, the challenge of solving that is I'm always drawn to that, you know, um, you know, you, you, you can't do the roof on your house by yourself. You got to hire right. somebody. Well, now that you went and said that, I'm going to have to go and take a run at it. You know, I'm right. I'm that, guy that is, I think I can do that. Um, and, and I'm just generally curious. Yeah. You know, I've, I've never done that before. I, I think I'd like to take that apart and see how, see how many parts are left over when I put it back together, you know? Um, so that, that's just generally in my nature. I, I, I get it from my dad. Um, he, he, he's that kind of guy. He just likes to, you know, take a, take a car apart in the garage just to kind right. of see, see if he can put it back together the same way. And so that kind of translates to, you know, my, my business life and my professional life. I, I like, I love to get in front of customers and understand what they're trying to take apart and really understand like, wow, how, how are we going to impact this business? You know, horizontally, not just, Hey, I'm out there looking for a product or a solution for X, but I like to sit in front of the customers and, and actually I, I do it quite often. I, I get comments that, you know, you don't come off as a sales guy mm. because I'll, I, I'll sit with a customer and say, Hey, have you thought about how much it's going to impact, you know, this other group over here? Or have you thought about how they might use this too, or things like that? And I think that's just generally the, the undercurrent of my, of my, uh, my approach is just, I'm, I'm always curious as to, you know, what else or what new or what, what can we solve? I mean, that's, that's what gets me out of bed in the morning. And, um, and I think that sales is perfect for that because if you're, if you're not curious, if you're yeah. not really interested in, in, problems, whether they're yours or someone else's, then you're probably not going to be very good at sales. If you're just trying to sell something over and over again, that's fine. But you'll do a lot better, particularly in the, in the enterprise and large enterprise space, if you are generally curious about what you're doing to that company. Can't argue that point. And it probably comes through in your overall presence as you engage with them. If it's just a means to an end and you're not really that interested in the impact on them and, and the value prop, then it pretty much probably can come through pretty quickly here. You know, Brian, I got one more question for you. You're a New England boy. So uh, Pats, Bruins, Celtics, Boston College, uh, Red Sox, all of the above. (laughs) Yeah, by by default, I I grew up around here. Um, You know, I I, I bleed green. I'm a big Celtics guy. Um, Like you, it's a tough week with your your Maple Leafs. But, uh, you know, it's part of the part of the, the business of being a fan, you know, so yep. you can't win it every year. And thankfully we live in cities where it's on to the next. So, yeah. And, and, and you live in a city where it's like a championship is every other year. It seems in some's yeah. one of the four sports, you guys have had a pretty good run the last 20 years. Celtics lose on Tuesday. We, we got the Bruins tonight. Exactly. Exactly. We well, Brian, listen, man, thanks so much for being here. It's been a real pleasure talking to you. Likewise. Yeah. I appreciate the opportunity. You're welcome. All right, everybody, let's wrap up this episode. Remember, as I always say, your intention matters. Why? Because that's the result you'll tend to get. We're out of here. We'll do it again next week. And uh, I hate to say it, but for Brian, let's go Bruins. Yes. Thank you.